Holy cow. But what an announcement, amen? Do you believe that God still heals today? So that's a message for all of you, regardless of if it's a physical thing or something that you're struggling with. Maybe it's, maybe it's sin. Um, maybe, I, I don't know what it is, but to trust God, to put your eyes upon Him. We are going to be in the book of Mark. We're going to pick up where Pastor Jim left off last week. Uh, it is Palm Sunday, and we're going to talk about that. But before we do, first of all, I want to apologize for my voice. Whatever that wind blew in, how many of you got affected by what all, that, all the allergies and the stuff that's going on there? crazy uh, effect, so if I start coughing, please forgive me. We are not having communion service. This would be our normal communion service today, but we are not having communion service because we're going to do something a little different. This Friday is Good Friday, and we know why it's good, right? For what was given to us, for what was done was a gift to us. So this Friday, we are going to have a little bit of a different Good Friday service. We are going to have a communion service in which we're going to worship together we're going to hear God's word about what it took place, and we're going to take communion together. And we're going to walk away from that service with that same mindset. And I encourage you, you know, I, you hear when I preach, I like to kind of put myself into the scripture, what's going on. Put yourself in that place. I used to teach a Saturday night service here uh, for a time years ago, and I, I, I was dealt with that. We, we'd had Good Friday service, and now here I'm teaching on Saturday, and I thought, what must they have thought during that time? What must Jesus' believers must have thought during that time? Our Savior has just been crucified. So I'd like just to put ourselves into that. I want you to come to Good Friday. Last year, attendance to Good Friday service was not good. I want you to bring everybody that you possibly can. You do know that Easter is the one of the number one times in which we can invite people to come to the church, and they will. So please use it. Find those around you. You can let them know what we're going to do on Good Friday, and of course, we all know what we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. And then we're going to do something a little different today. As you see, we have our baptism set up, and we advertise for a while now that we're going to do a baptism at the end of service today. And uh, some of you signed up for that. A couple of you let me know this morning. Um, if you have children, I want to say this first, really, I would say the, unless you've already spoken to one of our pastors, that you delay that. We're going to have more. You know what? I think this baptism should have to be set up every week. Amen? And that can happen. So if you have a child and you're like, oh, I wanted to get in on this, but you haven't spoken with a pastor, and the reason is because we want to make sure that your little ones who you're excited about getting baptism truly know what they're doing because if not, all they're doing is getting wet. And this is a testimony of what has already taken place in the heart of the believer. Do we understand that, correct? But here's something cool. Today, God's given me something to reach out to your heart. And I want to say that if you're here today and you're not saved or you have walked away from the Lord, what a better thing. I mean, how many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie? How many of those people showed up in Pirate's Cove that had no relationship with Jesus Christ whatsoever? But before they did leave that place, they found Jesus. In fact, I think if I remember correctly, Greg Laurie found him out there in the water. The opportunity is here today for you. You come and you say, well, I didn't prepare to come and get baptized. Well, if you're not saved, you're not prepared, but you will have that opportunity before this service ends to give your life to Jesus Christ, and we would love to baptize you. Amen? So we've been in the book of Mark, and let's do a little refresher on the book of Mark. Mark was written by John Mark. Now, John Mark was just a young man during all of this time that was going on with Jesus that we have read about. In fact, he was probably only about 12 years old when Jesus was crucified. 
So most, all of his information really came from Peter who shared that with him. Now, uh, and I shared this a few times when I've taught in the past, that I, is it possible that John Mark could have been in the crowd when things were happening with Jesus? I mean, there was a stir out there. Could he, have, could he have been in the back watching what Jesus was doing when he was healing or when he was feeding? It's very possible. John, uh, the book of Mark moves very quickly. It's a very fast book. It's only 16 chapters, and it's said with an average reading uh, style, you could probably cruise through that, Bible, that, that book in about an hour and a half, and I've encouraged you to do it, and I think that you should. We, when we get to the end of it, go back and read through it. Mark leaves out some things. We don't read about Jesus' birth and, and some other things, but uh, what he does provide is an amazing story of what uh, God uh, sent to this earth, his son, uh, to serve us. It's rapid, it's energetic, it's concise, and uh, so we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Mark chapter 11. Our pastor timed it very well so that we would be here this morning when it talks about Jesus' triumphal entry. Mark chapter 11. Did I say 11? Uh, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this, say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. They went and they found the colt outside in the street, tied to the doorway, and as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what, what are you doing untying this colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to do, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it, and many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut uh, in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple courts. And he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So we have followed Jesus' journey as, as we've taught through the book of Mark. We've seen him do many amazing things. We have seen him teaching individual people. We have teach, seen him teaching the crowds of thousands of people. We've seen him healing sickness. We've seen him, you know, disease and, and, and physical infirmities. And, and again, I'm going to just say it on top of what Jesus is still in the business of doing that today. Though he may not physically be standing in front of you, Jesus is still in the business of healing. It was obviously very much his will with our sister here. Don't forget that. As well, casting out demons. He cast out demons and dark spirits. I do believe that we are in a world today where Satan is prowling around and some things that we're calling sickness or mental illness is the power of Satan working in those people and they can be delivered from that. There's a darkness in the world that's growing more and more every day. 
We see him casting those demons out, those dark spirits. We see him doing miracles that we know only God could do, but I don't know what they really saw back then. They just saw these miraculous things. We read about two different times where he fed thousands of people with just a couple little loaves and fishes. Sometimes I think that was probably more of a teaching for the disciples that were there than it was for the rest of the crowd who constantly doubted Jesus, it seemed like. We saw him walking in water in the midst of a storm and calming the waves, helping those in need, and all the time leading this ragtag bunch of disciples around who I said constantly seemed like they doubted what he was doing, but he had a message to teach them. So we've covered really about two-thirds of the book of Mark, not exactly, and if I looked at the other gospels as well, it, it, that seems to be kind of about where it comes up to this this time in, the, in, in Scripture, this week. In the coming weeks, we are going to hear about, and I'm just going to tell you, it's, it, if for any Christian, it is, it's heartbreaking to revisit what was done to Jesus. I think in the back today, I just heard that the teenagers are back there and they're watching part of the Passion of the Christ. How many have seen that movie? If you haven't seen that movie, you should. It's, it, it's hard to watch. I'll just tell you that. I went with three men to a movie theater and uh, we watched... There may have been a few more guys than that. We watched the movie. We walked out. Nobody said anything. We stood in the parking lot and just stared at each other and said, somebody should probably pray, and we did, and we just left. <laughs> it, it was hard. It was hard. I mean, it was an actor. I know it was a movie, but to think about that my Savior went through that for me is just heartbreaking, and it's important that we put that emphasis on this week. It's important that we remember it. And of course, then we know what comes on Sunday, right? Amen. But let's just focus on today, this little event that we just read about, about Jesus riding in, Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry. Um, all, all four Gospels talk about it, and I think it's important when you're studying things uh, in, in Scripture, especially when it's in the Gospels, try and visit those other Gospels and see what they're particular take on them because there are other things that are left out, especially with Mark because he moves so quickly and he gives us the bare basics. Uh, there are some other differences, but there's one thing that's all, in all of them, the donkey, right? Now, all of them tell the story of the donkey. Uh, first, the reason that has to be a donkey is its fulfillment of prophecy. We see that at the, in, in the Old Testament. We'll see that in, in, in Zechariah, which I'll read here in a bit. Also, donkeys were portrayed in scriptures as symbols of service, humility, suffering, and peace, and therefore, perfect opportunity to be riding on a donkey to symbolize this arrival of God's peace and that this was a kingship of Jesus that was not from man, but was from God. Young colt, male donkey, about less than four years old. Um, donkey was often ridden by a new king, uh, which showed a transfer of the, the rulership. So the donkey was a part of the statement that Jesus was making, though some people didn't see it as that. Found something kind of interesting, and I don't know if it's true or not, uh, but just kind of cute. John, John laughed at me when I said it, but it could have been a Nubian donkey. Have you seen a Nubian donkey? They actually have a cross on their back. Some would say that that cross is there because of who rode them. But if you look at it, there's a stripe that goes down the middle of their back and right near their shoulders, there's this black stripe that goes across. Look it up. Not right now. Um, 
I know you all get your phones out to look at it, but I thought that was very unique. So the donkey. But far less about what he rode in on, on what, except for what took place or what it was about. We see that this event uh, was, was, was fueled by the cheers of these disciples who had followed him um, and the, the, the people that were gathered around him that had seen him do all that he did. And they cried out in, from, from Scripture. If you flip over your Bibles in Psalms chapter 118 uh, about the place, uh, so Psalms 118, flip to the left in your Bible, you'll find it there, right near Proverbs. And starting at, we'll start at verse 19. Psalms 118, verse 19. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate, the Lord, uh, this is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and it is a marvelous, it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, O Lord. Save us, O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of of the altar. You are my God, and I will give you thanks. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The religious leaders at the time knew what they were saying, and they did not like it. In fact, in Luke, in chapter 19 of Luke, it says that they told him to to, tell these guys to knock it off. And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, if uh, if they should keep silent, then the stones will cry out. These cheers and the words that they shared were very important. It proclaimed the coming of the king, the coming of the Messiah. Hmm. I, John and I talked about this, and we're going to talk a little bit about Jerusalem here in just a minute, but this was a celebration of Passover. It was a celebration of their liberation from Egypt. It was a celebration and a remember of the sacrifice. You remember the, the original Passover where uh, they, 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 they killed the lamb, they spread the blood on the doorpost so that they would, the, 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 they would pass over, the spirit would pass over and not take their children. But I wonder how much that gathering had turned into just what we do in Jerusalem. Be careful because I know my brother's watching today. But I have a brother in Christ here in town who is, well, he's a, a past Jewish believer. I'll just say that. He's a past Jewish believer. And when asked about Passover yesterday, when I was speaking with him, uh, he talked about the traditions, the food we eat, and what we do. Because I asked him, what are you going to do for Passover? You know, you're, you're from a Jewish background. Well, you know, the traditions are no longer, we don't do those anymore. Since my mother passed away, since my wife passed away, we don't do the food. And it was the, the food, it was the tradition of things. And I wonder, it doesn't tell us, but could could this have just become something that we do? 
so deluded by whatever. I mean, I'm from Iowa. I've told you that before. Please don't, please forgive me for that. But in Iowa, we have something called the Iowa State Fair. Have you, has anybody ever been to that? Really? My wife has. Yeah. You've been, uh, Pat's been there. Of course, Pat's been there. The Iowa State Fair is something amazing. Tens of thousands of people pack into this probably what? Maybe a quarter of a mile space. It's not huge. Food is everywhere. Festivities are everywhere. Anything on a food that you ever want on a stick, you can get on a stick. I think they even have a salad on a stick, which I don't know get that, but. But there's this whole celebration, and people are just there for the celebration, and I wonder what everybody's reason was for that. Were they looking for the coming Messiah? Were they just doing what we do every year? This is what we do. Were they just going to church on Easter Sunday because that's what we do? Now, I'm thankful that people want to come out to church on Easter. I told you that. Amen? We have an opportunity to get those people in here and be able to share this gospel and share the story. Share, even, even for Good Friday. You say, well, I've got friends. They're not saved. They really shouldn't be taking communion. You're right. But we're going to have them here. We're going to talk about that story, and maybe that somebody will get saved on Good Friday. Let's use it for that. Hmm. Here comes the king. I picked up something in the book of Luke. If you flip open to Luke 19, I'm going to jump you around just a couple places here. Luke 19, 41 through 44, and it's, 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 it's his, it's Luke's um, telling of this story, but he pulls out something that Mark does not. In Luke 19, 41 through 44, it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you... If you, even you, had only known on this day, that would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in, in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and you and your children within the walls. They will, leave no, uh, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Looked like, as I did a little bit of study, there was not just a, a little sob, a little cry. It was sobbing. It was weeping. Of his sadness is not, not for himself, not for what was going to come upon him, but because the people, so many were not going to acknowledge who he was. Just like today. In fact, I was talking to John and I said, you know, one of those tears that came to Jesus' eyes, how far forward was he looking? Because again, we'll agree that Jesus was fully, fully man, true, but fully God. So he had God's knowledge. And how far forward was he looking? Was he looking to, to write today? I don't know. And it broke his heart. One commentator says this, the cry was that of a frustrated desire. He had visited the city with the desire to deliver it from the things of destruction which, and with the offers of things of peace. The spiritual blindness of the rulers and the people was such that they did not discern the meaning of the visitation. The result is inevitable. They could, there could be no escape from their destruction. Hmm broke his heart even before it happened. 
Now, mind you, before this, if we saw, we see this in Mark, see this in a lot of the Gospels, that when Jesus would heal somebody, oftentimes he would say, you know, don't, don't go say anything. Don't, it's not my time. So don't go and tell anybody. Well, which, which we know didn't happen. I mean, they went out and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's healing, come. We get, and people were coming from droves, thousands of people coming from the cities. So they were sharing something. Were they sharing that he was the Messiah? Did they recognize that yet? Did they recognize that he was the coming king? I don't know, but this statement on this day was a proclamation that I am. I am. I am he who, who the prophecy said would come. Here I am. I'm stepping out in front of this. And again, this Passover celebration, there were potentially, my shoe's untied, I won't fall over. Can somebody come tie it? No. There were potentially, I've seen some, some, some figures that there could have been about up, upwards of 2 million people in the city because of how many lambs that were sacrificed to how many people that would represent. So about 2 million people in that area. Population of Colorado Springs just a couple years ago was just under 500,000. So it would be four times the amount of people in Colorado Springs that were come together to celebrate whatever they were there to celebrate. It's a lot of people. And he was making one heck of a statement. And it was written about, they knew it was going to come. They'd seen it before. 500 years earlier, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, foul of a donkey. And even we see that Daniel uh, gave a timetable and prophecy that this would happen on this day. They, they, did they not see that it was coming? We see throughout Scripture talking about this week and what was going to happen. God had a plan from the beginning that it would play out just this way. I want to throw something out that God really got me thinking about in this, and this is that. If Jesus was fully man, but fully God. At some point in his life, he knew what was going to happen all the way through the end. True? When? I don't know. No, Bible doesn't say, well, this is when he came to that. But I got to believe that it was probably about the time that we see him in the temple. In Luke chapter 2, verses 46 through 49, it says, after, after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them. And this was after his parents, by the way, had forgotten him in Jerusalem. Have you forgotten a child somewhere before? I know of other people. We, have, we used to have a family, the, the Shrotland family, and they had like what, a gazillion kids. And every once in a while they'd forget one. I don't know how you do that. But they had gotten away from Jerusalem, and then they came back to Jerusalem to find him. And they find him listening and asking questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And his response is, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? So he knew then what he would have to do. We have to understand, we, we, we love to read about Jesus' life, and that was part of the package that we got, but 
and you can disagree with me in this, but I believe that Jesus was born as a sacrifice. He was born for what we are about to talk about on Friday. He was born for that day, and even as a young child, he knew that was going to happen. Does that just not shake you a little bit to think that? That he lived his life, he said the things that he said, he lived in, I don't see anywhere in here so far, at least what we're talking about right now, that he's walking into Jerusalem and saying, oh my gosh, this is about to happen, but he has just taken the step towards his death. This action, this moment, he took steps towards his destruction, his death. We know it's not destruction. We know it's not. He lived his life as a sacrifice. Every part of his life as a sacrifice for our sin. That's why this is so important. Without this action that's about to happen, uh, we, don't, we don't find freedom. Hmm. That just really kind of shook me a little bit to think about this young, probably 12-year-old child in the temple teaching the word, knowing what would be the end of his life. Hmm. Sacrifice for sin. God had a plan. He would send his son in the fullness of time to deal with man's sin and Satan's treachery. Satan and the death of man's sin uh, would, be, would be defeated. And this triumphal entry was the beginning. I just wanted, my message is not long today. My message is simple today. I hear a lot of amens, but my question is today is how do you receive him? How do you receive him today? Do you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because I'm going to tell you what, the way this world is going, you, you better make a decision now. Because Satan is a deceiver, and you think yourself sly and wise, but I'm going to tell you, without Jesus Christ, you got nothing. And this world is set in, 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 in play, doing things and making statements, and we are so driven by what we see in the media and online and on our cell phones, that it can begin to change what we think, what we believe. Do you believe he is the Messiah? Do you believe that he came to forgive your sins? You've got to accept him now. If you don't have a relationship with, if you're online and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I beg of you to come to him. I beg of you because tomorrow might just be too late. And it's not necessarily that tomorrow you're going to leave this earth and, and die, and then you, which, which you could. But who says that tomorrow won't deceive you just a little bit more and then you don't want him? And then instead of being one of those who were standing along the road, and I got to believe, with the, can you imagine the excitement when he rode in on that donkey? Throwing their cloaks down. It was like laying out the red carpet like they do for the, the events when the actors come out. They're laying out the red carpet for Jesus to come in. And there are many who believed him who, unfortunately, there are many on that road that day that were probably shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, that maybe later were saying, crucify him. 
because they allowed the, the thought process that was going on at the day to, to deceive them. I believe that we're in a day when Satan is really, really working hard to deceive people. So where's your heart? In just a minute, band, you can come, come up here now. We're going to sing a praise song. And uh, here's the cool part. If, you're, if you're, you're here this morning and you say, um, I'm not saved. I beg of you, come up and save. Elders, if you have a chance, come on up here. We just want to pray with you and lead you to the foot of the cross. That's it. Simple message today. Jesus, God, God sent his son to live a life of ministry and to die on the cross for your sins. And he wants to save you. But he can't save you if you won't at least acknowledge him and step forward and give your life to him to make that decision. So I don't know, there may be nobody in this place this morning that's not saved. I doubt that. There may be nobody online that's not saved. I doubt that. But here's what would be really cool this morning. As we've seen this story, as we see this triumphal entry, as we see Jesus saying, hey, I am, I'm here for you, that somebody this morning would accept him. And then when we have our baptism here in a few minutes, you could join us. We got, we got extra towels. We brought extra towels for that purpose. <coughs> so as we sing this next song, you go ahead and dim the lights down a little bit, Bill. Whether you're saved, not saved, maybe you've fallen away from him. Maybe you're not even walking in his path. Maybe you've come to a place where you've been so deceived that you've been pushing him and pushing him back. Let's get that right this morning. Elders are around somewhere. I can't see in the dark. They're down here. We just want to pray with you. And then what better thing is you could come and join us. You don't have to, but you could come and join us for the baptism. Jesus rides in triumphant this morning. And he says, I am the Messiah. I am the Lord. I am your king. And I am here for you. I bring you peace. (coughs) I bring you salvation. I want to give it to you. Will you accept it this morning? Father God, <coughs> I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in this place. I believe it has before we even started singing this morning. Is there someone in this place that needs to know you as your Lord and Savior? <coughs> May your Holy Spirit be over them as we sing it, Father God. Encourage them to take that step towards you. I beg of them, and I know you say the same, come to me. I'll provide you peace. I'll provide you rest. I will provide you healing like you did with Gina. But you got to come to me first. Father God, move in this place.